Hey everyone, welcome to the Adjust Your Life podcast. I'm Dr. Patrick O'Brien and I'm here with Dr. Tim Dooley. Together we run Integrative Physical Medicine of Dayton, a place where wellness is top of mind. We are more than just chiropractors though. We are committed to staying up to date with the latest health trends and are passionate about helping people feel their best. In this podcast, we'll break down wellness topics every episode and give you the tools you need to be the best you can be. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Dooley. Welcome to Adjust Your Life podcast. I'm with my partner, Dr. Patrick O'Brien. How are you today? Doing all right. How's everything going with you? Oh, I'm tired. I saw a lot of Busy patients day today. today. Busy yeah. day today. Did you see a lot of patients? I didn't see you a whole bunch, so I think we were both pretty busy. Well, I'll tell you what, in between patients, I was putting on our <laughs> putting green in our office, so Need to I, got the, off. I got the uh, stress out, and I'm ready to talk about 10 things you shouldn't ignore about your health. Are yeah, you ready? There's probably a larger list, but these are going to be, our, in our opinion, the most important things that we want to narrow down to, to not ignore for sure. So. Yeah. We are chiropractors that have a physical medicine practice, and we are trained to identify common health issues because many times they can overlap with what we treat here in our office. And I would say we're going to go through 10 of these at least, maybe a few more, but uh, in, these are in no particular order. Uh, we just kind of rattled these off. A couple days ago, I'm putting on a piece of paper, and today we're going to have a podcast about it. Figured that at least we could jot down some important ones here, and uh, well, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I'll let you kick it off. Okay. Number one, chest pain. Retrosternal chest pain. Chest pain behind the sternum would be our first one we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think chest pain, you know, there's a lot of things, just because you have chest pain doesn't mean you have a problem. Um, you know, if you're physically fit, you know, you're working out a lot, that's obviously could be some sort of muscle-based issue. But I think some important things to look at here is um, chest pain affiliated with, um, you know, activity. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, in, like if it's constant, you probably have a problem. If it's moving and you're moving around, moving your chest around, stretching open, you feel it then. That's different. That's more musculoskeletal. That's something that we could handle. Um, but if it's retrosternal crushing pain and it does not go away, no matter what movement you're in, and it's constant, that is something that you need to take care of. Yeah, medically speaking, a lot of conditions, it's it's important to note if you can physically recreate the actual symptoms themselves. Yeah. Like if you can, if I can stand up and make like a throwing motion or do some of my arms, and the chest pain gets worse. Um, that is more likely to be more soft tissue or muscular based for that matter. Whereas if it's something that you're just laying in bed, it doesn't matter if you're running, you're walking, you're talking, it's always hurting. That's totally different. Definitely something you want to have evaluated at that yeah. point. Soft tissue, mechanical, musculoskeletal. Yep. Um, whereas the alternative is just crushing pain no matter what you do. Could mean a few things. Uh, you want to get to the ER, I'd say right away, if it's constant crushing retrosternal chest pain uh could be a uh, heart attack could be a bunch of different things yeah and i think the, the way that they'll teach you in school is there it's it's quote a feeling of impending doom yeah. uh which may not make a lot of sense but it's just a feeling that you know what it means when you have it it's kind of like I, you feel like you're uh, any second something's going to happen uh you know it's it's a, it's a feeling that's a very discomforting you don't know really, you can't get comfortable um, at that point, depending on when it happens, probably being evaluated in the ER would be worth your time. But something as simple as even mention it to your family doctor, if, if it's not as, uh, you know, in need at that time would be worth your time because then they can reference you to the right specialist at that point. You know, a lot of times you have to see a family doctor or someone that knows about this first before you can even have any potential coverage from an insurance to be referred to a specialist such as a cardiologist.
physiologist. So make sure it's actually that and it's not something, like you said, muscular or it's some sort of acid reflux or something along those lines. So definitely, you know, worth being evaluated versus pushing it aside. Don't don't just ignore the symptoms. Correct. Correct. Uh, The second one we would say would be uh, facial weakness. Uh, You know, this could be. You know, it's several different things, and yeah. it could be nerve-related. It could be uh, it could be an infection. It could be a palsy. It could be a stroke. It could be a number of different things, and it could lead to other things. So that's another thing, you know, facial weakness. There really isn't – if you have it, get it checked out. If you don't, then there's no need. But there's no musculoskeletal with that. You need to have it checked immediately. Um, that's another thing. Go to ER, even go to a family doc, you know, rather quickly. Yeah, so like some of the facial things that he'd said, um, a lot of different things that innervate the face. Uh, you, you, a good way to evaluate this if you see this happening to someone else or they're you know complaining of some sort of symptoms. Um, make sure you uh, recognize like simple symptoms, like such as like a stroke for that matter. You, there's an acronym that you'll look at, such as the the acronym is FAST, F A S T. Uh, so you're looking at like facial drooping. So a lot of times you'll have someone like smile, frown, puff their cheeks out. If you see some sort of asymmetry, one side's not going up. Uh, there's some sort of changes. That's an initial sign. The, uh, that's the F part. The A is going to be affiliated with like arm weakness. Um, so you're going to see some sort of like they can't lift the right arm compared to the left arm, whatever that may be. So kind of evaluate that. Uh, the S will be, and this is probably the most notorious to affiliate stroke, especially if there's facial weakness affiliated with that. You're going to see uh, some sort of something it changes in your speech. Uh, so right. speech is going to be a, probably the biggest one. Uh, and then the last one, the T stands for time because it basically comes down to time is of the essence. Uh, so you have to get to somewhere immediately. Um, just cause you have, you know, facial pain or something along those lines, it doesn't, you don't have to have all of those symptoms necessarily. If you see one of those that do, does reference it, definitely would recommend to see further treatment. Yeah. So. You'll notice looking yourself in the mirror drooping. That's the one yep. thing you'll see with facial weakness many times. So, and that's and with facial weakness, that's the only thing it can be. So it needs to be addressed quickly, like Patrick said there. Um, number three, swollen lymph nodes. Uh, we get our hands on a lot of patients around the neck uh, doing chiropractic manipulation there. But we also do a lot of sports physicals too, and we're noticing. Uh, uh, when these athletes that come in, you know, they have swollen lymph nodes. I've noticed a couple older patients with swollen lymph nodes. And, uh, you know, they, it could be an infection. It could be several other different things that you could go into as well. But make sure if you've had swollen lymph nodes for any any amount of time, I would say any more than a few days, you need to have those checked and evaluated. And for- a lot of times those swollen lymph nodes will give you a sore neck. And which patients will pop in here for a, an adjustment, we'll notice that and we'll say – you know, either you're either getting sick, you've been sick, or you need to be seen by your family. Yeah, I think a lot of people instantly assume that they feel a lump in their neck in an area that they maybe have never had an, a swollen lymph node. They instantly assume it's some sort of abnormal growth or a tumor or something like that. You have a lot of lymph nodes, uh, not just in the neck. Uh, you have them on the back of your neck, the back of your head. You have them underneath your chin. Uh, so there's there's areas that can ears, flare up that ears, might yeah. alert you. I mean, you, I, my some kids have a reaction to uh, mosquito bites in that region, and they call it react, uh, reactogenic or reactive lymph nodes, which can be very much in the back of the head and are very very large. Can can uh, you know make people kind of freak out. So definitely something that you know any healthcare practitioner can shed some light on. Maybe worth asking. But I think the big thing he had said is if it's going on for a longer period of time, definitely want to have that looked at. So. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's lymph nodes, not, you know, not we talked about in the neck and the chin, but they're all over your body too. Yeah. So if you're noticing them in the legs and the, and, uh, 
the lower extremity. So while you know, as well, let it, you know, get in contact with uh, a medical professional. Um, the fourth pain that wakes you up at night, and I'll maybe say unexplained pain that wakes you at night, because a lot of those musculoskeletal injuries will prevent you from sleeping due to pain, discomfort. You know, I've both been there. I would say and the thing to look at is, is it the, does the pain physically wake you from a sleep? Or do you wake up and then feel the pain? And I think a lot of people get caught up on right. that subtle difference there. So it's it's actual pain that's physically waking you up. It's physically waking up, or is it positional? Yeah. And if it's positional, then you know that's that would be considered the good kind of pain most often. Um, but if it's like you said, the pain that wakes you from a deep sleep, then you have that, that's a red flag, red flag. In, in the medical field. So you definitely definitely want to report that side of it. Um, but again, a lot of times these symptoms won't necessarily come by themselves. There can be a another onset of symptoms that are coupled together. So definitely remember to document at least what are symptoms you are exhibiting at that time. So Right. Right. And try to isolate that that pain that wakes you and before you head to your physician as well. Uh, number five, uh, weakness. And this is just general weakness. And we I would even classify this more as weakness in extremities. Extremities, yeah, I agree. So arm weakness, whether it's unilateral, bilateral, one side or both sides, or leg weakness, one side or the other, you know, go in and get evaluated. If that weakness is, you know, a short onset comes on right away, you know, time is important. Um, we see that a lot with, uh, you know, lumbar surgical issues with discs and cervical issues with discs as well. So, and it's not necessarily a medical emergency. Um, no. If it's if it's a neuro- neurological involvement such as a pinched nerve and you have weakness, I think a lot of people come in here very concerned like they need to go to the hospital and you have to assure them like look this is this is something that you obviously want to address but it's not like you're you're gonna necessarily die from something like this so uh but weakness is a big thing it's very common uh much more common than you may realize uh when you have these symptoms as compared to what we see in this office uh because any kind of nerve impingement usually coincides with some sort of numbness tingling paresthesia and then with that you'll see weakness so um, it's pretty easy through a few orthopedic tests, at least within our office, to figure out where the problem's coming from. Don't necessarily always need further testing, uh, such as like diagnostic imaging, x-rays, CT scans, MRIs, whatever that may be. Um, but just seeing someone who knows how to decipher that and then kind of give you the proper treatment protocol. And the, the other type of weakness I will try to talk to you about is, uh, it's you know, we talked about extremity weakness, but what about total body weakness, uh, lethargy, apathy? Those things also need to get evaluated you might, you might have different evaluations done to you but those are also a form of weakness that i would have uh looked at you know if it lasts longer than a day or so in that circumstance yeah and there's different like i said different tests you know you could do blood work at that point especially if it's a whole body you're going to want to look at this from a whole different perspective but if it's isolated to the extremities the arm the hand uh usually that's a pretty quick diagnosis yeah. uh, in our office so yeah um number six uh we have headaches on the list now there are a yeah, that could be a podcast of itself. Type of hit, of, uh, another podcast. That's awesome. Uh, headaches, you know, as far as there's a number of different types of headaches. Uh, and these are different in almost every case. But I don't know. What do you think about how long should someone, you know, if they're having headaches longer than a day, should they go get seen? Or longer than a week, longer than a month? What do you, I, I think mean, I would say at least three or four days with an unexplained headache before you go get treated unexplained that's and that's the that's like the key term there because we all get headaches uh everyone's had a headache uh at some point but you know people have migraines 
routinely that are essentially used to it. Whereas if that migraine could be transplanted and put into someone who's never had a migraine, they're probably going to end up in the ER whereas the other person's already used to it. So look at your history anyway, you know, kind of what headaches have you had? My agreement with him is everything he said, but I would say this is if you've had, yeah, a headache for a couple of days, that's basically, you know, intractable, unrelenting, not letting go. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Obviously I think at that point you're probably going to go in. The other the thing is too. the onset. If you have a rapid onset, immediate, horrible headache, uh, this is, I would say, the probably biggest red flag from a headache standpoint is how fast it comes on and how hard it comes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, And especially if it starts to influence like vision affiliated with that, then definitely something you're going to want to look for. I mean, it, it, probably an immediate ER visit. So. Definitely, definitely. And then, you know, as far as like there are musculoskeletal headaches, there are cervicogenic headaches, there are migraines, there are, you know, splitting headaches from a number of different things that are um, that need to be evaluated. So make sure you get yourself looked at. Um, seven. Guess what number seven is? Number seven. Lucky seven. My wife yells at me every night. What do you think it is? Sleep. Snoring. Yeah. Yeah. We love that one, don't we? <laughs> so what snoring, what the big thing is now is sleep apnea, correct? Sleep apnea. All right. And we do a lot of, uh, I don't do a lot, but we do a lot of uh, Department of Transportation physicals on truck drivers, and they're big on the sleep apnea. And basically, you wear a device, a CPAP machine, all night, and you have to wear it a certain number of hours to qualify, even to drive um, trucks. So the reason for that is what they, you know, it's interruption of breathing would be uh, loss of oxygen coming in. So that is a very common thing we see with heavier folks with what well, they say thicker necks i think the measurements uh they escape me from right now but um yeah i mean it's a form of obstruction and that's why yeah. it's called obst- it's osa obst- obstructive sleep apnea um which you may not a lot of people kind of have it don't, don't necessarily know, know they have it because you have to you know, go through a sleep study to figure that out but um you know little things getting back into that this could cause like morning headaches uh you know excessive daytime sleepiness uh, potential, you know, chest pain at night, higher blood pressure. Um, you know, you, you're not going to feel yourself throughout the day. Fully tired, apathetic, yeah. lethargy, all that good stuff involved. Um, I've seen several patients who have been rather obese, have no sleep apnea study, no CPAP, no machine or anything, go under and get a testing done by a specialist and then be on that for even two months and they've lost 60 pounds and they feel like a different person. They look like a different person. So if this is you, this is something you have and you fit that criteria and you don't have to fit that exact criteria, but if you feel like this could be a possibility, go see a sleep sleep study specialist. I I, just touching on the snoring. I'd say the three uh, most common reasons for individuals to to have those problems are going to be um, some sort of a congenital nasal problem, a septum issue, deviated septum, which is something you basically have snored your whole life. Um, a lot of times it's positional, how you're sleeping, it's the position you're in, it kind of helps to obstruct the airway a little more. Uh, but then a big one, and you know, I've, I've seen it in friends in the past and in, in people that have, have told me this, is alcohol uh, consumption. Uh, this will increase the amount of snoring that does take place uh, because it essentially causes a relaxation of the throat and the muscles there, which then in turn can cause the, that sound to occur. So if you if you're feel like you're doing that a lot and you can correlate that with you've been drinking a few too many beers, why don't you back off on it and see if it doesn't change anything? So my opinion, yeah. <laughs> All right, number eight, unexplained weight loss or unexplained weight gain. What do you think... I think the first question everyone has there is what's the magic number as far as how much weight and how quickly 
I don't really know that answer. I mean, if you're losing weight and you're not trying pounds, to lose weight, yeah. then and it's I, I unfortunately I've had a patient who's had in the years past, and yeah. I asked him, I'm like, oh, you've lost a lot of weight, recall. you're looking great, and he said, yeah, I'm not even trying. It's been it's been awesome, the best thing ever, and that's an immediate red flag. And at that point, you want to you want to dig a little deeper to figure out what that potentially could indicate. But it is a one of probably the top three, I'd say, biggest red flags that can come up from a medical standpoint as far as weight loss. Uh, that could indicate a number of things at that point. Yeah. Um, as far as, and I'm not saying just because you have it, this would be it, but it could be like a final finding of a lot of cancers that can that can come up. So, and that really kind of goes with what we had mentioned earlier, with not just the unexplained weight loss, but a lot of times the pain that wakes you up at night. A lot of times those are kind of mm-hmm. next to each other too. So, yeah, I mean, you could have a cancer, Lyme's disease. You could have parasitic involvement. There's so many things going on with Absolutely. that. But yeah, if you're not trying, make sure you get that evaluated also so as far as unexplained weight gain what i would have yourself looked at there is you can go to a family physician for that or you know i don't know about the er for that right yeah probably not the er necessarily but at you that can point do something as simple pro- as blood work yeah, blood or, test would be ideal for that point and i think we're referencing specifically like the thyroid yeah um, i think it's also going to make a difference um if male versus female um there's things with females like hypothyroidism underactive thyroid mm-hmm. usually typically weight gain you're going to see that but with females I mean, like a polycystic ovarian syndrome, menopause, you know, things like this can cause weight gain. Fluid retention could also Fluid be retention. involved there. Yeah, and be. it's like, is there like, you know, is there extra swelling in your feet and ankles, mm-hmm. the, the body parts that are farthest away from your body, if there's swelling in there, that would be definitely something more of a sign of something else going on, like heart or kidney related right, potentially, right. Uh, versus just general weight gain. I mean, it, it's, so, yeah. hard, it, it's, it's hard to say, so. Yeah, and I would you were gonna know that condition. That's more of a chronic lasting condition. That's something that doesn't happen overnight, right? So that you would yeah. you'd have time to get yourself in and get yourself treated for that. Um, number nine, shortness of breath. What do you think? Big list, uh, shortness of breath. Like, is be... it that you physically can't catch your breath, or is it because you um, you're just having general chest tightness or chest pains? Again, does it connect back to that? Are you an anxious person? You have a lot of anxiety. Uh, I can speak on that because I my mind constantly races, so I, I kind of understand that. Um, you know, there's a lot of variations with that, but again, shortness of breath. It's don't feel like you're working out, and then all of a sudden you feel like you you know you're it's hard to breathe. It's probably as a result of you working out, and that's yeah. that's normal. Versus if you're just sitting there doing nothing and you're out of breath. That's yeah, a if you story. can't explain it, then you can't. Uh, you need to have it looked at. That's the the number one thing there, and it's not really lot to go in on that one it's just are you having it or are you not and and it's really easy to to know it just feels like you can't take a full breath in you very well may be able to it just doesn't feel like you can and a lot of times it could be speaking about anxiety a lot of times the very small intercostal muscles the muscles around the ribs and stuff which help to kind of push air in and out of the the lungs um, just become into a spasm state so you're still getting the full amount of air it just doesn't feel like you're getting a full amount of air which is not necessarily a medical emergency it's just maybe trying relaxing a little bit see if that doesn't improve anything there if you can't expand your chest completely. Yeah, and if it stays the same with right. total rest and laying down and, and sleeping, that's a different story. Definitely want to have that looked at. So, Yeah. Um, the last one here, the grand finale, confusion or change in your behavior. And this cannot be related to too much drinking. Too much drinking. I think this is a tough one. Drug use. Tough one. But it may be related to... Uh, you know, one of the things with, uh, you know, having medic- medic- medication changes, I guess that could be one of them. But un- unexplained confusion, you know, or, or your ability not to cognitively 
perform all the tasks that you typically do for no reason. I would think that would be the number one thing there, uh, an altered state without having any reason why. And I think you may not be the one that notices this. It may be your close relatives yeah. or family that is going to say, hey, like maybe you're not responding to sentences like you would before maybe you're not remembering things in a certain order before and it may not be a big thing to you because you really may not may not notice that so if someone says that i wouldn't necessarily take offense to it take it to heart that hey you know they know me as well as anyone else this is obviously a problem um so yeah that but i mean confusion could be like you said can tied with a number of things i I would say that would be the hardest one for me of the 10 we just talked about for me to kind of really break down because you know, you could see that with a lot of these other ones we've listed. They're, like you said, dietary changes. You could see it to medication changes. Yeah. Um, very, very hard to isolate that one. That would require, and if you do have that going on and it's going on for a period of time, that would be, uh, and these all require different specialists, referrals potentially. This could be uh, something more head brain related, maybe worth seeing something along those lines, like a neurologist right. or something. But again, you have to see your practitioner to know. So. Yeah. And I like to think that. You know, we're good enough as physicians to recognize a lot of these things. So if you did want to swing by, if you were nervous about going somewhere or didn't have any idea, if you wanted them investigated further, we could obviously help you get to the right physician, the right emergency room, that, that, sort, of, that sort of thing. Um, you know, that was our top 10. I mean, I wouldn't say they're necessarily our top 10. Those are those 10 we rattled off. Uh, I have a few more if you want to just kind of mention them. Um, but, you know, like, you know, persistent or high fever, we kind of think that's, you know, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, get that evaluated. Um, unexplained changes in bowel habits. That's another thing. Um, feeling full after eating very little. Feeling bloated after very little food consumption. Uh, if you're seeing flashes of lights with your eyes. Um, a tearing sensation in your lower back. And you know, we didn't talk about, you know, triple A's or abdominal aorta aneurysms or anything like that. But you can also have a similar retrosternal chest pain that you have down lower in your back. That may not just be back pain. Uh, so you obviously want to get that che- checked out. Um, excessive sweating for no reason. Dizziness for no reason. Yeah. Um, those are just some things. I, I think Swelling like visual, no visual disturbances. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times can go with, you know, if you could be with facial issues. It could be flashes of light. You could see uh, dizziness. All of that kind of falls into uh, some sort of visual disturbance. So, and it's, and I don't think you're going to walk around on a daily basis when all of a sudden, every time you move your eyes, you get dizzy or something. So I, an average person is going to go seek out further medical care. Then again, right. some people don't, and it could be the difference it. of something, you know, at that point, the sooner you do it, the better for sure. So, yeah, I mean, if you have any of these mentioned above, you know, you shouldn't ignore them about your health for at all, ever. So make sure you, you know, get it properly identified, properly treated. And, uh, and for the record, if you're going to get it identified, see a practitioner, go to your doctor, don't WebMD it. Oh my don't God. Google it. It's it's you're going to you're going to find what you want to find. And that's the problem with the Internet is you you already have an idea of what's in your head. It's going to be the worst case scenario. You're going to Google things. You're going to keep reading until you read what you want to read. Then you're going to freak yourself out more. Um, you know, I've I've had a pain in my right bicep right now and I could find an article that probably says I tore my bicep. I mean, it's just like it's so talk to a practitioner so they can get all the things squared away and they get a different perspective on it than you because you're the one experiencing the pain. Right. So. I couldn't agree more. So this concludes today's podcast, 10 Things You Shouldn't Ignore About Your Health. And I hope you guys had a good time.